Good, uh, good, good morning, and uh, thanks for being here again. It's really a delight and, and privilege for us to be able to worship together. And thank you for being here. I'm kind of surprising that it's already October 23rd, isn't it? That's it. Uh, gosh, before you know it, the weather's gotten pretty cold, and uh, we're going to start hearing different music, Christmas music. I don't. Have you guys started hearing that yet? Not yet. Kind of, sort of. No, no. Okay, good. Um, not good, but cool. <laughs> Um, start hearing Christmas music soon, and the smells will be different as you walk into Starbucks, and they'll start smelling like gingerbread and peppermint and all that stuff. And we realize that it's a changing of a season. As we get closer to the end of the year, uh, it's a season of giving. And we're moving into this kind of a, this kind of a season where not only, it, it, not only are we talking about gift giving, but thanksgiving and all kinds of, of giving. And it's a good time for us to kind of pause and to think about uh, what the Bible says about giving, particularly as we move into arguably the six most busy uh, shopping days of the year. So I want to talk about uh, what the Bible says about giving. And again, to, to kind of open it up to not just talk about, we're not just talking about giving when it comes to our uh, finances and, and talking about our money, but all the things that we give. We have talents and, and treasures and time and, and ultimately thanks that we have to offer up. And so I want to look into the biblical teaching. And to kind of prime the pump, I, I, I sent out a, a text to a few people. This is not, uh, not going to be a, a great sample representative of, of all that we are here at Harvest. But I sent out an, an, a message asking people uh, to consider this question, who do you know uh, that you would consider to be generous? And why would you consider them to be generous? And I just want to share, and, and part of this is to, is to maybe recognize and to, to honor those in our midst that, that people feel are generous and who give uh, freely. Uh, and, and this is what some of them said. Uh, Lindsay Lee. Somebody laughed. <laughs> okay, Lindsay Lee, because she's always willing uh, to help with whatever is needed. Okay, so generous with uh, the time that she has. Uh, Sung Kim, because he knows that what he has is not his. That's a beautiful description of what it means to to be generous. Um, Jason Lee is willing to sacrifice um, his schedule for the sake of others. Uh, Joshua Shin, he's always willing to make time to help out when others are in need. Gigi Butler, um, because she is so hospitable. Uh, Isaac Lee is always willing to be generous with the time that he has. Um, Eugene and Joyce, I don't know if I should say this, but um, they always give and oftentimes don't want others to recognize that. I just blew their spot, sorry. Um, Sarah Kim, because of the way that she cooks and cares for the needs of others and gives her time to care for children. Uh, Yung Lee, because of the little acts of generosity that she offers to show her love. Um, and others, just in, in passing, Charlie and Janet Lee, James and Casey A, because of the food and money that they offer and the joy and the cheer in which they offer it. There are many other people in our congregation that I know that I would consider to be extremely generous. Um, and again, this is not, and I'm not just talking about in the areas of our, of our finances and the areas of our, of our food, but in areas of, of time and, and the talents. There's so much in here. And it's a beautiful thing when people freely give of that to bless other people. And I am uh, honored and I'm, I'm touched that there's so many in here uh, who are willing to be generous with what they, uh, with what they have. I want to look into the Word of God today and, and look at another example 
of generosity, a, a, an example that just shouts and leaps off of the pages of Scripture and says this is what it means uh, to be generous. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, uh, we're going to look into uh, just a few verses here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 11. If we were to take some time and, and really go through this text, there would be a ton of stuff that we could pull out about grace and giving and generosity and, and the way that we steward what God has given to us. But I just want to, uh, just as, a, as an overview of what we're trying to do over the next four weeks, I want to talk about and give a primer about uh, the generous living and just bring out three thoughts here. Uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 8 verses uh, 1 through 9 first and then chapter 9 verses 6 through 11. This is God's word. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich." And then chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is God's word. Um, three thoughts here. The first thought I, I want to kind of highlight from this text, from particularly from verses one through eight, is this: you don't have to, you don't need a lot in order to be generous. Okay. I, I want to kind of broaden the scope here because I think when we talk about generosity, oftentimes we think that I need to have a lot of stuff in order to to, to, to be generous. And if that's the case, then that probably only relates to a, a fraction of of us in here. But the first thing that I want to highlight is that we you don't need a lot. To be generous. Verses 1 and 2, he's talking about writing to the Corinthians, Paul is, but he's talking about this group, the Macedonian church. Listen to what he says. Uh, Brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty 
welled up in rich generosity. Go fi- How does that make sense? He's saying they were in this severe trial, okay, severe trial, and it says they were in extreme poverty. Kind of sounds like the situation in, in many homes in America, doesn't it? In Macedonia, there was a severe trial. There was extreme poverty. There was difficulty for them to pay uh, for their house. They were losing property left and right because they had to sell it in order to pay for uh, the needs that they had. There was a, a deep economic crisis in the area of Macedonia, and their churches and the individuals were being severely affected, so much so that Paul calls it a severe trial, and there was extreme poverty. And yet somehow it says that out of that overflowing joy, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How in the world does that work? It says in verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded. The word here is they begged. So you see this group of people who didn't have a lot in Macedonia were begging Paul. But typically the way that we would think about it is if they have nothing and they were begging, what would they be begging for? Hey, can you give me a little something? But instead what they're begging for, it says in verse 4, is begging for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. Somehow they're like, we've got nothing. And I've got nothing in my, in my uh, whatever my Macedonian offshore account. I've got nothing in my bank account. I've got nothing in savings. But somehow I'm begging that I could give. Why? Because somehow, somehow we're taught that we don't need to have a lot in order to be generous. That somehow the grace of God had touched their lives in such a way that even though they didn't have a lot, they said, still, I want to give to those who don't have. It's kind of, I mean, it's extremely, extremely counterintuitive. But the point that the, the Paul is trying to make is that we don't need a lot in order to be generous. And you see this. There's a book, uh, Christian Smith wrote a book called Passing the Plate. And he, he, he writes these statistics, and he says that people who make, uh, on average, $25,000 a year, okay, people who make $25,000 a year give away 4.2% of their income on average. Okay, you make $25,000, give away 4.2%. Then he surveyed people, found people who make $100,000 a year, $100,000 a year, four times more than these other people. He said, do you know how much they give? How much money do these people give every year? It says they give 2.7%. Those who are richer tend to give less. Those who have more, in fact, tend to give less. Hey, that's, what, that's what Paul is saying here, isn't it? That you don't need to have a lot in order to be generous with what you do have. Hey, there's a story uh, that you may have heard. It's about, uh, written by this lady named Eddie, Eddie Ogan, and it happens, takes place in 1946. But the, the way the story goes is that she was one of uh, three teenagers being raised by a single mother. There's actually seven kids, but four of them, the older ones, had had either gotten married or went off to move out of the home to work. Father had passed away five years ago. So here it is, 1946, a single mother raising three teenage girls, 12, 14, and 16 years old. Okay, during this time, they're they're, uh, followers of Christ, and they go to church one Sunday, and it's it's in the springtime. And the pastor says, we're going to take a special offering on Easter to help out this poor family in church. And so I wanted you to consider how you can save up and, and sacrificially give so that this poor family can be taken care of. 
And so as they're going home, they're walking home that day, and they're so excited about what they could do. And they start talking about, hey, we can, we can turn off the lights when we're, uh, when we're at home and, and just kind of play games in the dark so that we can save on our electricity bill so that we can kind of shave a few dollars off so that we can give this to this family in need. And they're so excited about that. And they're like, we can, maybe we can go and, and we can make these little crafts and then we can sell them. This is kind of what they did for, uh, in their spare time is they would make these things. And they said, we could sell them and we could do great and, and we can make more money. And, and they talked about, hey, we can go and we can garden and pick weeds from, from people's homes. And, and, and by this, we can, we can earn extra money so that we can give it to this family in need. And, and they were so excited about all the things that they could do in order to, to help. As week by week went on, the pastor of the church said, consider, remember, remember this, this poor family that we're going to be taking care of. So think about how you can give sacrificially. And each week they would hear it. And there's about 80 people in the church. So they realized that all that we're, we're saving up for, if it's just four of us multiplied by 20, it's going to be so much that this family's going to get in. It's going to be so great. And they were looking forward to Easter Sunday. And with such excitement, they would, they would think about that. And, and as they're talking, they're like, you know what? Even if we don't get to wear get to go out and buy brand new dresses for Easter. That's okay. That's okay because there will be a family that's well cared for and that's taken care of. And they were so looking forward uh, to this Easter offering. Time went on and, and it was the day before Easter, right? The Saturday before Easter. They took all the change that they had accumulated and they took it to the grocery store and they traded it out and they were able to get three brand new $20 bills and a $10 bill. And they were so excited. These two teenage girls were running home. They'd never seen so much money before in their lives and they brought it to their mom. And they said, look, I look at what we got. And they were so overjoyed. That, that uh, Sunday morning came, Easter came, and they, they took this money and they put it in an envelope, and, and it was pouring rain that day, just completely uh, dumping rain. And, and even so, as this family of four was walking to church, they're so happy and so joyful that they could be part in, in blessing the lives of other people. And they got into, into church, and they just had one umbrella for the four of them, and so they were still wet as they sat down, and they sat in the second row behind uh, some of the leaders of the church, and they were so eager and so excited. And they sang with a little bit more uh, volume in their voice and a little bit more excitement and, and passion as they sang about all that Christ had done. And, and as the offering plate was, was passed, the mother gave the $10 bill, and each of the three kids gave their $20 bill, and they were so glad that they could give. And as they went home that day, they couldn't stop singing the praises of God. That even though we didn't have a lot, even though we didn't, weren't able to get new clothes for ourselves, even though we didn't have all these great things that, that maybe other people have, at least we could give generously to somebody else. That's a beautiful story to me. And, and as I was reading that, it was just moved in my heart. And their, their mentality was that even though we may not have as much as others, we only have one income. And the kids are working in order to provide a little bit more. At least we can give something and we can be generous with what we have. Hey, the first thing that I want us to see is that uh, you don't need a lot right, to be generous. The second thing that we see is when we are generous, okay, when we are generous, we look a lot like Jesus. When we're generous, we look a lot like Jesus. There are times, yeah, I'm a, I'm a psych major, and so I, part of me, either because I'm a psych major, I became a psych major because I just, I just like uh, observing uh, things and, and people and situations. And there are times when part of the beauty of being an intergenerational congregation is we get to see, like, the best of, like, the adults as they grow up and the youth as they grow up and become adults. And, and there are times when I'll look at somebody like, like Monica Lee, and I'll see her do something, and I'm like, man, 
that's just, that's just like Janet. That's just like her mother. Or I'll look at something that, that little uh, Evelyn does and the way that she walks or the way that she talks or the way that she does something. And I'm like, man, that's just like, just like Eugene or just like Joyce. And, and it's so fun to, to see. Or when I, when I see Timothy Ye, especially when he's like doing stuff with, with like wires or electrical stuff. And, and I look at him carrying these things around. I'm like, man, that's just like his dad, James. And I think about that and I'm like, man, there's something beautiful that, that happens when they do this one thing and they begin to look a lot like somebody else. And and Paul is saying, look, when we're generous, we begin to look a lot like Jesus. Isn't that awesome when somebody can say, wow, you really look like Jesus. This is what he says in chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse uh, 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Isn't that what generosity is? Even whether you have a lot or a little, to take some of what you have, some of your time, or some of your talent, or some of your treasure, and you take some of that so that someone else in their poverty might become a little bit more rich. Saying, this is what Jesus did. You know this grace, don't you, church? Saying, you know this grace, don't you? And if you know it, if you know it, and this grace begins to infuse your heart, then we begin to live it. And when you live out a generous lifestyle, you begin to look a lot like Jesus. I don't know if there could be paid to any of us a higher compliment than you look like Jesus. It's an amazing thing. You know Jesus, right? He was. He didn't just live in a. He didn't just live in a mansion, or in a ten thousand square foot home. He owned all of this. He made all of this. And it says, "Yet for our sakes, all for love's sake, he became poor." And when Jesus came came into our world, he 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 entered into our world and he lived this kind of life. He was born not in like Winnie Palmer Hospital or, or in ORMC or in Florida Hospital. He wasn't even born to, in some like, I don't know what, what those, I don't know, whatever. He was born in a, in, a, in a barn. That Jesus Christ came and was born into a barn and, and, and the crib that he had was, uh, was filled with hay. Right? Hay that would, 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 would poke him and would hurt him and it was covered in, in cloth. That's where he was born. That for our sake, for your sake and my sake, he became poor. Right? This is what it means to be, to be generous. That Jesus did that and then he grew up, he was, he was born to a teenage mother who didn't have a job, didn't have an income. His dad was a blue-collar worker. He was a carpenter. He died young. And when Jesus lived, he grew up as a carpenter also. That's about as blue-collar as you could get in those days. And so this is what Jesus did. And once he hit the age of 30 for the last three and a half years of his life when he was in ministry, he didn't have a home. And Jesus willingly and voluntarily became homeless for your sake and for my sake. Remember where he came from, right? Remember that he lived in, in this amazing gated community of heaven and he moved into our neighborhood and he became homeless. He had no place to lay his head. He didn't have... Uh, a Tempur-Pedic bed. He didn't have a, a Simmons beauty rest. He just, wherever he could, wherever he could, 
and he would rely on the, on the generous giving of other people, and people would give to him, and that would fund him. He didn't know where his next meal would come from. Yeah, there was one time, a couple of times, when he would make out of a few pieces of bread and, and fish, he would make a meal for everybody, but that wasn't typical par for the course for Jesus. He willingly became poor so that we might become rich, so that we might become blessed. And, and, and Paul says, look, when you are generous, people look at that and you look like Jesus. I was listening to, I was actually part of a conference this week on Thursday, and, and one of the speakers said, did you know, I don't know, I don't know how much I agree with this, but, but this is what he said. He said, you are never more like Jesus than when you are giving generously to others. I, I, I get what he's saying. Because the very essence of what Jesus did was self-giving, was generous giving sacrificially for other people. It reminds me of a, of a guy in, in Haiti. I'm, I'm not sure where, when this, this took place. But at this one church in, in Haiti, they were having this, uh, this harvest festival. They're having this project. And, and again, uh, similarly, they were collecting this special offering for uh, the work of gospel evangelism. And as the day came, this man gave... Um, a Haitian man, uh, I forget what his name was, he gave $13, which is basically the equivalent of if we were on a Sunday morning offering, we were to receive a check for $6,000. And it was this, 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 this man in, in Haiti. And so he received the check, and, and one of the uh, people counting the money looked at it, and he was like, oh, my goodness. And in a nation like Haiti, this is three months' wages. Like, where in the world did, did he get this? And he saw the, the person he gave, and he looked for him, and he couldn't find him. He didn't show up for, for this festival, and, and he couldn't understand. And so he, he kept on trying to find him. And finally, one day, uh, down the line, he found this guy. And he, he said, where did you get this money? And he, he didn't want to tell him. And he kept on pressing and kept on pressing. And he said, I sold, I sold the horse that I had in order to, to get money so that I can give it so that the gospel would go forth in my country in Haiti. And he's like, why didn't you come to the festival? And he didn't want to answer. He just, he just wouldn't look at him. And he, he kept, again, he kept on prodding, kept on prodding, kept on prodding. He said, why didn't you come? If this was your gift and this was your joyful gift, your generous gift to, to, to the work of the gospel ministry in Haiti, why didn't you come to the festival? And, and finally, he said with sheepish, with sheepish eyes, looked up at him. He said, I didn't have a shirt to wear. And I think this, I, I think of somebody like this. Think what kind of love would drive him to give everything that he had so that the work of God would go forth. I think that's part of the reason why Jesus was always drawn to generosity. Because when he sees generosity, it reminds him so much of himself and what he was come to do. That's why Jesus would, would highlight the, the, the life of, of, of a woman who broke uh, just a jar of alabaster oil and, and poured it lavishly on Jesus. And, and she said, wherever the gospel is preached, what you've done will be told in memory of you. And, and she, he takes this, this widow who didn't have much, just a little a tiny coin, and he highlighted her as a symbol of generosity that she didn't have much, but she gave what she had. And he takes a little boy with, with five pieces of bread and two fish, and he uses it to bless other people. And all around the world, people tell this story because so much of that reminds Jesus of himself. Because when we're generous, we begin to look a whole lot like Jesus, don't we? In what ways 
is God calling us to be generous? And again, it doesn't have to be, and a lot of times it's not in the area of our finances. But how can we be generous with our time? Hasn't someone shown Jesus to you when they took an hour out of their day, when you knew that there was, it, was, it was busy for them? And they sat with you and they talked with you and they prayed for you. Haven't you seen Jesus in them when they did something like that? Or when they took the talents that they have, whatever that might be, and they invested that. They didn't sit on it. They didn't hold it, but they generously gave it to you and to other people. And you saw yourself being blessed because of that. And you saw Jesus in them. What ways is God calling us to be generous? Because we don't need a lot. We don't need a lot to be generous. The last thing then that we see, the last thing that we see is God always rewards generosity so that it can be repeated. God always rewards generosity so that it can be repeated. It says in in chapter 9, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And if you you jump down to verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then jump down again in verse 10 and 11. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's what he's saying. When we're generous, God will reward that generosity so that we can continue and repeat that generosity to other people. We re, uh, repeat what is rewarded, don't we? That's just, just human nature. We, um, when uh, Manny is, is at home, she's, she, she learns to pick up, as, as all children do, she learns to pick up things that we say. And, and there's some words that Olivia and I use around the home that uh, we probably wouldn't use. It's not that word, it's bad to use in public, but we don't want a young child to use. Words like, there's a word that Olive and I use at home, It's a Korean word, and I'm not sure how it's translated, but usually we say it when we don't get our way or when something doesn't go our way. We say, yeesh, right? Again, I don't know what it means. Maybe if you ask Siri what it means, she'll be able to tell you and translate it for you. But we say this thing, yeesh, when we don't get what we want. And I I guess Manny has learned to pick that up. And so there will be a time when uh, Olivia will ask her, Manny, what do you want to eat? And she'll say, I want to eat Korean soup, this oxtail soup. And and Olive will say, Manny, uh, we don't have soup. And Manny goes, yeesh. And it's the first time I heard it. I laughed, first because it's funny, but second, that she would use that word in the proper context. Like, do you really know it? And I laughed at her. But then I, the second, my second thought was, you know what? I don't, think I, want, I don't think I want you repeating that kind of language. And so I said, Manny, okay, you can't say that. I'm speaking in Korean to her. I'm like, Manny, you can't say that word anymore, okay? She's like, okay. So the next time something happens, she doesn't get something she wants. She says it again. She says, eesh. And then we start laughing again. I'm like, Olive, we have to stop laughing because we're rewarding her for saying that. And the reason she keeps saying it is because she's repeating what is being rewarded. This is human nature, isn't it? Whenever we encourage something, whenever we laugh at something, people do something stupid. They do something dumb. Or we see a celebrity on TV and they do something completely dumb and, and it gets all over the news. They repeat that because it's being rewarded. They're getting publicity, right? This is just part and parcel of what we're like as humans. We repeat what is rewarded. And what Paul is saying here is that when you are generous, God rewards your generosity. And the purpose of his rewarding is not so that we can be, not so that we can be blessed with, with more stuff, 
but so that we can repeat that generosity to others. Here's the way we've said in the past, and, and you might have heard this said in different contexts. God blesses us with uh, financial material, whatever it is, not so that it can increase our standard of living, but so that it could increase our standard of, of giving. The reason why God blesses us is so that we can increasingly become generous to other people. How does God reward us? There are a couple ways that God rewards us. One, it says in, in, in verse 10, it says, uh, he who supplies all this stuff will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here's what it's not saying, and I, I would be the last one to preach that if you give to God a seed offering, that God's going to bless you with a whole lot more money because sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And I don't think that's what God is, is promising. He's not promising that if you give generously, he's going to give you a brand new car so that you can ride it and, and take it and do all these great things and, and show off to your friends. It's not. But he blesses us in our generosity with a harvest of righteousness. And as we see this harvest of righteousness, we're blessed by, we're encouraged so that we can repeat that generosity. That's one way is a harvest of righteousness. But the second thing that he says here, he says in verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There are many times, there are many times where God does bless financial giving with even more financial blessings. There are times like that. You've heard stories like that. We've experienced, Olivia and I have experienced times like that, and, and many testimonies attest to that. But he does that not so that we can be comfortable with what we have, but so that we might continue to be generous to other people, so that we might repeat this generosity to others. Haven't you seen times where you've taken your, your offering on Sunday, whatever that offering was, or, or the times when, when a mission team was going out, to, to China, to North Korea, to the Dominican Republic, to Ecuador, and you gave your offering. And they come back and they begin to share, and they begin to testify of the things that God did in their lives. When you give to the Dominican Republic mission team and you realize that through your giving, this team has gone, and through their going, that individual lives have been changed. And I hope that we can connect our giving and our prayers with the result that God does. This is a harvest of righteousness that is being raised up. And that people's lives in in, in Dominican Republic are being changed. That when you give your offerings to God, when you give your time to God, and then you come and you hear people like Josh Shin come up and share his testimony. How it was through many people. It was through a revival. It was through a house church. It was through these individuals. And how your giving of your time and of your efforts and of your talents blessed people like that. And that life has been changed. And through him now, his generosity is overflowing so that others might come to see Christ. And when you stand up here and you hear stories of, of, of Brian Kim and Daniel Chang and Jin Julie standing up here last week. And you hear about their lives being transformed by the ministry of the church. This is a harvest of righteousness that is being raised up. And you begin to realize that through your generosity, that lives are being changed. That in the kingdom keepers, and in, I was thinking about as we were praying with our Sunday school teachers today, thinking about how many of these teachers have grown up in our ministry, have grown up in our ministry, and their lives have been captured by the grace of God. And now they're giving and they're raising up generations of people to be blessed so that they might also be a blessing. That everything that we give in our generosity, people who give in a year, two years, three years of their time to teach Sunday school, to teach youth ministry, to invest in prayer, and a harvest of righteousness is being raised up. And we see things like that. We connect it with our giving, and we realize that God is blessing and God is rewarding, not so that we can sit back and, and say, wow, these are great things, but so that we can continue this cycle of generosity. And this is what God is doing. 
And in those ways in which we're rewarded and blessed financially because of the ways in which we're generous, he's saying take that and use that to bless and to be generous to bless other people. To continue that God rewards us so that this generosity can be repeated in the lives of other people. And so as you hear about this Ecuador mission team that's going out, how can we be generous, not only in our finances, but in our time to pray for them? And then to wait and to expect that there will be a harvest of righteousness that comes on the other side of it. I know as you were hearing the story of this this family, the Ogan family in the beginning, you probably thought, well, that's a pretty silly story. There's no real like, ooh, what's the the big deal about that? Let me tell you the, the, the rest of their story. So they get home that Easter just celebrating and soaring on the fact that they have been able to be used by God to give, to help this family in need. For an entire month, all they were eating was potatoes. That Easter, when they got home, their mom had a surprise for them. She'd gone out and she bought a dozen eggs, and she'd boiled them, and she'd painted them, so that with their potatoes today for their meal, they could eat hard-boiled eggs. And they were so overjoyed as they celebrated this meal together. That evening, they got a knock on the door. And the mom went, and she opened the door. It was the pastor of the church. He came by, and, and he talked with the mother for a little bit and gave her something, and she came, and she was a little bit uh, kind of dejected as she walked to the kids. And the kids said, who was it? He said, it was pastor. He said, what did he want? And mom said, she, he, he gave me this envelope. She opened up the envelope, and she kind of dumped out the contents. There were three crisp $20 bills, a $10 bill, and 17 $1 bills, $87 which they had given 70. And they looked at that offering and they just were completely, completely distraught, shocked, devastated by it. And as a, the girl who was there tells the story, she says, you know what? I knew that we didn't have a lot. I knew that we didn't have as much as other people have, but I would never have considered myself poor. When the pastor said, we're collecting an offering to give to a poor family, that had to be what we are then, that we're poor. And she began to think about, what do, what do people at school think about me then? What do people think about the clothes that I wear? And she just began to, to, to cry. And the mom tried everything that she could to console them and to sing songs, and nobody sang. And after a verse, the mom stopped singing also. That whole next week was pretty much of a downer. Nobody said anything at home, no joy, no life. Just go to school, come back, go to work, come back to the mom. They'd sit there, and Saturday night came, and they're like, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to face those people because they think we're all poor. I don't want to go to church and wear the same old raggedy clothes. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to face those people again. Their mother made them go, and even though it's a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning, Nobody said a word on the way to church. No songs being sung. No skipping their steps. Just everybody looking down as they got to church. Got to church, sat in the back row. That day there was a missionary there. Missionary was there and he was speaking and talking about how um, in Africa they have these church buildings where the, the walls have been set up, but they can't do anything because there's no roof. Talked about how for just $100, just $100, a roof could be put over this church. And so the pastor went up there and he said, I wish that our church could give sacrificially so that this church could have a roof over it. 
And these kids say for the first time in a week, their eyes lit up. Their eyes just lit up. And they looked at each other. And they smiled. And so the mother took out of her purse that envelope, and she gave each of them uh, some of the money. Actually, she didn't get She took, took out the envelope and passed it. Each of them touched it, and they gave it to the youngest kid. As the offering plate went around, they put the $87 in there. And they gave it to the missionary. They collected it. They went up. Uh, the, the pastor went up. And he count, after he counted out, he's like, praise the Lord. We have some rich people in this church because we raised just over $100. And as this girl's telling the story, that at that moment, no matter what anybody else said, I knew, I knew that we were rich because he said we were rich. And even though we didn't have a lot, we had Jesus and the joy of Jesus welling up within us. We had given $87 of that just over 100. We are rich. We are so rich. And she began to say, I don't care if I don't have new shoes. I don't care if I don't have a new dress. I don't care if everyone makes fun of me. I have Jesus in me, and because I know him, I am richer than anyone else in my church. Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, For your sakes, he became poor so that through him, we also might become rich. You see, the very essence of the Christian life, sometimes we think to give is to lose. We think of God, the, the way that we think of God is that he's constantly asking of things from us. And if we constantly see that God is asking of us, then we will never be generous. But if we begin to realize that God is not one who's asking, but he's always giving, he's always giving. He began the cycle of generosity by him coming and giving to us. We take what he's given to us and we give to other people. And he continues to give back to us that we might be generous because this is the very essence of who God is. His nature is to give. And as we give of ourselves to him, he will never fail to give in return because the very essence of God is love. And the way that love is demonstrated For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have life everlasting. And he's calling us to understand what he has done for us. You don't need a lot to do that. You don't need a lot in order to be generous. But to realize that what Christ has done for us springs up a well of generosity and he blesses us when we're generous, not so that we can be comfortable, but so that we can continue to be generous because when we're generous, we begin to look a whole lot more like Jesus than when we're tight-fisted and we keep it to ourselves. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray and, and just reflect upon this one thought, that God who is rich beyond all measure became poor so that through him we might be rich. Jesus Christ, though he had nothing in this life, gave everything to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And Jesus paid it all for us. You just take a moment. I don't want us to pray, God, make me generous or anything like that. But if we can just pray and, and meditate, And think upon the cross and just give thanks to God.
Give thanks to God for the work of Christ on the cross. And just kind of allow God to pour that into your heart so that our hearts might be enlarged, our hearts might be expanded, that we would just really begin to to see that we are rich beyond measure, that God has given us so much that every single one of the followers of Christ have every resource in us with which to be generous. And when we're generous with our time, with maybe our money, with our talent, with our treasures, and God blesses us and he rewards us so that we could continue to be generous. This is the inheritance of God for the saints of God. So let's ask the Lord, Father, fill me. I want to know how rich I am in Christ. Remind me of Calvary. Remind me of the cross. Constantly fill me with a vision of all that you've done for me, that my heart would swell in gratitude and that gratitude would extend in the grace. Let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord, Jesus, reveal more of yourself to me. Help me to see more of you. Help me to drink of your generous grace. Help me to know this love. Help me to make the, cro- make the cross, Jesus, more real to me. Let's pray for a few moments together, and then I'll close for us. Father in heaven, forgive us for being stingy with our time and our talents and our treasures and our tithes and our thanks. Father, we have withheld so much and in withholding, we haven't gained more, we've lost more. In keeping it to ourselves, we haven't become more happy. We've become more miserable because we weren't meant to live in this way. We were meant to be a reservoir that flows, a river that flows, that receives and gives, that receives and gives generously. Father, we confess that the reason we don't give generously is not because we don't have and not because we don't know that we ought to because somehow our hearts have become disconnected from grace. And the joy that welled up in the Macedonian church, we ask that you would cause it to rise up within us, O oh God. Make us into people who know how supremely and richly blessed we are so that in that joy we might be able to give. Jesus, show us and remind us of the overwhelming generosity of God that flows in and out of our hearts so that we might be generous to others so the people in need of a living picture of what Jesus Christ would look like would see that in 120, 130 harvesters here who live generously. Make us into such an army of little Jesus followers that people would see and that the 
that the flow of generosity would continue to touch and impact many nations, that a harvest of righteousness in here, out there in the world would be born, and that would be our reward, and that would inspire us to even greater acts of generosity. We thank you so much. We want to be generous in our giving because you have been lavishly generous to us. And the only way that we can love you and others is because you have poured into us overflowing love whereby which we can love others and love you back. So we thank you so much. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.